What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPod11 on Twitter and Instagram uh, and TikTok as well. Joined by a very special guest, a good friend, Kyle Brandt. Good morning, football. Ten questions. How are we doing today, Kyle? Well, before we even get into that, we need to get into not how we're doing, but not what we're doing, where we're doing. This is very unusual. So (laughs) you and I, how far would you say we are right from each other right now? Because we're not in studio together. How far would you say we are? probably a two minute walk three minute walk max probably a two minute walk here's my question i'm gonna get right into it what's the greater distance the distance between us right now as you sit in your home and i sit in my home or the distance in receiving yards that Corey davis will have in the 2021 season uh oh that's a good question well the, the davis number let's just think pie in the sky We'd probably be really, really it would thrilled probably if be, it was what? If he was like, if it was a thousand, if he gets a thousand yards, I will be over the moon. That's all you need is a thousand, a flat thousand. Yeah, I need a flat. I need the Jets have had two guys go over 1,200 yards since Don Maynard. So, <laughs> Lavernius so calls once and be, is it, oh, Keyshawn, is it, wait, Lavernius for sure. And Keyshawn yeah. must have done it, right? No, it's just Brandon Marshall in 2015. That's it. Keyshawn never had a he went over a thousand, but he went over a thousand and go over 1200, 1200 the money mark for the jets. Like they wow. can't get over it. Wow. All right. Well, I would say then, then we are, we are just about as close as your expectations before. I'm going to put us about a thousand yards apart. I don't know if anyone has ever done a podcast as geographically close as they are to each other without being in the same We're basically room. in like offices next to each other. In, yeah, in some it is. But I'm great to be here. Great yeah, to be no, here. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you. I guess we'll start off. We'll get we'll get in a lot of the Twitter questions and, and some of the, you know, lifting and 10 question stuff, um, you know, after this, but we'll get in quick jet stuff. I know yeah. you were in a good way. I think we kind of we agreed on the same stuff. And, and look, at the end of the day, you know, it's exciting to get kind of get week one out of the way. And I think, yeah. What are your A, expectations? Maybe not. Let's. I'll put it this way, because I think people get confused between what expectations are and what maybe reality is going to be. Yeah. What should the Jets' expectations be? And then what are your personal expectations of the team? Because I think those are two different things. And I think people got a little confused on the other day when you guys <laughs> talked about it. Based on my mentions and your mentions, I yeah. think people confused it. It's hard to talk about football in May, isn't it? It's like we're splitting hairs about the language. It does suck, but it can be fun as well. That's our goal every day, and I know that's what your goal is here. So we're in this hair-splitting uh, thing about expectations. So we talked on our show, Our what are our expectations for the Jets? And I'm like, what? the expectations are you go and get into the playoffs. What are we talking about here? It's May. You, you got a new coach, new quarterback. Let's make the playoffs. And then it's like, well, wait a second is that realistic? And I'm like, who cares? <laughs> what, what? Yeah. And so then people took that as, you know, Kyle Brandt predicts the, or, or not even predicts like guarantees the jets are going to make the playoffs. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm not guaranteeing anything, but I think that that is our goal. And I didn't even say win the division. I just said, well, come on, get into the playoffs. So I think what you're asking is, um what what's a realistic probability like a high yeah, end like, like if like okay. you look at the schedule now i know the schedule doesn't it does matter a little bit and i think yes is it overblown in some sense of oh who they play week four versus week five but yeah. it does matter yeah. in some sense of like the jets don't play a lot of great quarterbacks this year like that's one thing i noticed and connor rogers on the other show uh you know mentioned this as well that other than Allen brady and um matt ryan mm-hmm. if you throw Tannehill in there sure 
It's two guys, Burrow coming off a knee, Trevor Lawrence, who I have no idea what he's going to be with Urban and coach. And then it's a bunch of guys. It's like Teddy and Drew Locke and, or Teddy and Drew Locke. And then it's Jameis. And it's like, it's a lot of whoever Houston's going to play quarterback. I, you know, it's like, I'm not sure the jets might not be great, but their schedule is not great either. Like it's no. not, they're not playing Mahomes like and Herbert and all these guys like they did last year. You're going to bet it. You're going about it smart. Will, because I think in the process of the schedule release, like I actually hate all, I hate the phrase strength of schedule. I think it is such BS. I think it's so misleading because it's just all based on last year. And as we've seen, like teams are crap and then they go incredible and teams are incredible and then they fall on their face. So here's what I think you're doing is smart. Don't think about strength of schedule. Don't think about who you're playing. Think about what quarterbacks you're playing. That's all that matters. Like if it just look at the quarterbacks, never mind what they did last year, what they're going to do. You just don't want to see like the, the Rodgers and Mahomes and Russell, like you're, you're probably going to lose those games. You, you just, the odds are. So look at the quarterbacks and you're, and if there's not a lot of killers on there, you're probably going to be fine. Here's where I come back to answer the question for the jets. Um, I still go really, really optimistic because before I started popping off about the jets trying to make the playoffs this year, I looked into it and I was like, hold on before we even get into Wilson or any of the players, we got not only a new head coach, we got a first time head coach. He's never been a head coach like Sala. It's not like he's a retread like Andy Reid, never. And so I'm like, what are the odds a first year head coach makes the playoffs? It happens a lot. And I looked over the past decade. It's not one or two. It's like a whole list of guys who have done it. And there's guys who have done it with rookie quarterbacks. Obviously we know what happened with Rex and Sanchez. And if you think that was years ago, there's other examples too. There's weird ones, you know, like, Ace uh, did it. yeah, exactly. He did it. <laughs> and there's also like, there's some coaches who aren't that great. Like Mike McCoy of the chargers made the, the playoffs his first year. There's a lot of them who like are nowhere to be found right now. So if you believe in Salah, which I do, and you think Wilson like has got the moxie, which I think he does. I'm, I, there's no way I'm going to sit here and say, well, well, I think they can expect a seven and 10 this year and a good step forward. Bleep that, dude. I don't know if you curse on this podcast, but I'm not going oh, to. You can drop. You can drop a few. Fuck all that. Yeah. Seven and 10. What kind of stupid content is that? I don't care what's realistic. I think especially now when there's more games and it's easier to get in the NFL playoffs than it has been in 102 years. I still think they could try to squeak in as a wild card if, if Wilson has it. Yeah, no, and you look at even, and again, it's like, it's not so much who's on the schedule, it's where they're playing them. Having Tampa Bay and Buffalo as your last two games seems awful, right? You're like, oh, yeah. no, like, that's going to suck. <laughs> but theoretically, if Tampa's as good as they're going to be, who knows if Brady's playing week 16? You don't, like, you have no idea. And then they've, the last two years they've played Buffalo, and they played Buffalo, like, two years ago, and it was the game that literally took them from getting, you know, potentially getting a top two or three chase young guy into getting Quinn and Williams and Quinn's awesome and whatever, or whatever. But, you know, you look at it now and it's like the jets could have yeah. used an edge rusher, but you know, then they beat Buffalo and it's like a meaningless win, but looking at it now, they play Philly and new Orleans on back-to-back home games in week 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Jameis. There was a stat that came out the other day. Jameis has played with the fourth highest war level players over the last decade. And oh, yeah. it's the, highest turnover rate ever so like i don't want to hear i'm not really bought in on like oh sean payton like is gray sean payton is are we sure Jameis is good or are we sure mm-hmm. are we sure jalen hurts is good like mm-hmm. 
I don't know. The Eagles kind of seem like the Jets from two years ago where like they're now all in with like this weird quarterback who wasn't drafted by the coach. And we don't know if the coach is kind of a weird dude. So I'm just not like, I think I don't see a reason why they can't be between seven and 10 and nine and eight. Like there's no reason. Like, again, are we sure two is good? Is Cam no. done? Like, are we, is Cam like Patriots spent like drunken sailors, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that all is going to work. How do you know? Like, you saw one year without Brady, and they kind of stunk. Like that, that's it. Let me ask you a question, Will. I, I, I'm going to turn this around. This is interesting. So you've been a Jets fan your whole life, as long as you can remember. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if um, if it, it between one and ten, I want to gauge how you feel right now. Like if ten is we're coming off a title game season, and Rex is back, and Sanchez is back, and oh my God, maybe we win the Super Bowl. And the one is like this is the worst I've ever felt as a Jets fan. What number do you think you're on right now? Seven. That's high. Feel, yeah, you it's should. really high. I feel like hot, happiest or most excited I've ever been was a when I was a kid, and it was like early Herm years where I was like in training. I was like the only kid in training camp with my brother, and it was like cool. And like people don't know my grandpa's design the stadium, and it was like this whole thing. So like you're a kid though. So like that stuff, you know, you feel like maybe I was just being a kid. 2010 was probably a 10, right? They're coming off a title game. LT yeah. Jason Taylor. And then honestly, the going into the 2019 season, and you know how I feel about I felt about Sam. Yeah, that was probably an eight or a nine. It's like, oh, they got Mosley and Bell, and like Sam's healthy, and like that was exciting. That hell. was exciting for they exciting drafted for, Quinn in, yeah, know, thirty minutes, really and cool. then it was all done. Um, so <laughs> that was a hell of a half. Yeah, though, it was the best football. half of football I've watched in half a decade. But those are the three times. Everything else has been like five or below. Like this yeah. year was a one, straight up a one. It was just no horrible. One. It was the most unwatchable stuff I've ever experienced. I think everyone was like, who wants to talk about them? I don't know if you noticed this, but. The schedule comes out yesterday. Yeah. Uh, people are flooding my mentions. Why are they not on primetime? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> the last times they've been on primetime, they gave up a 20-point lead at home. Sam got Sam said there was ghosts. Yep. And they got boat raced by the Ravens. Why would anyone want to put them on primetime? Like, I'm you sorry, I'm not it. trying to be negative. You can't do it. The Giants aren't on primetime either. And they and they stunk it, but they're in New York. It's just and yet you're still it. at a seven, dude. You're still at a seven, and I exactly. like it. No, I'm excited. Salah's the reason I'm the most excited. I like yeah. the fact that the GM and head coach are in tandem together. Wilson, Salah, and Douglas are all on the same contract scale. Like, if one sucks, all three of them are gone, right? Yeah. Like, that's just the way it is. So, I don't know. I just – are you are you more excited about Salah or Wilson? Because I feel like the fan base is probably Wilson, but I don't know if that's necessarily – the reason to be as excited about i feel like Salah is the reason yeah. for me to be excited well full disclosure i liked in the draft i liked justin field better than wilson i did i just i just liked him more um for a bunch of reasons just like four four is four four you know like it's it's so rare to have a quarterback like that i liked that he played against the best teams i liked that he was great against clems i just liked it and i know wilson had stuff that he didn't have that's fine so the answer has to be Salah because it's like dude it's not just that you have a new coach like everybody has new coaches all the time. Salah is one of these special ones that we've been watching for years. Like when God willing next year, when Biennemi is finally a head coach, like that will be a special one. This is a, you know, Adam Gase was a retread. It was just like, it didn't work. And now we got this guy who's supposedly great. And now we're going to bring him in. Salah is like the bell of the ball. Everyone wanted him. He was coveted. It wasn't just some afterthought. Like it was, this is the prom King and, and they got him. And like, it's, you know, it's, that's why I think it has to be Salah. I have a question for you from a running back perspective. So they draft Michael Carter. He's a guy, they said they were taking round three. He's a guy that, you know, split carries in college. My question is about blocking because 
in college it was like he was an effort guy but he's not a huge dude and like saquon is there's been a comp that like saquon was gonna be this great blocking running back because he's huge but he actually gets bolt like he gets bull rushed and in the jamal adams play it's probably the best jets moment in the last two years you know they he runs saquon over and takes danny fumbles yeah. but how does like do you think that's gonna be a huge adjustment for him because i feel like the one thing fear i have is if he can't block they're going to have, he's going to have a hard time making as big of an impact as I want him to have as a rookie yeah. back with a backfield that has no proven guy really other than Tevin Coleman's corpse, I guess. <laughs> Tevin Coleman, who was great with the Falcons, like five years yeah, ago, five years ago, five um, broken arms ago. Yeah, it's tough. I look, I liked Michael Carter. My favorite running back in the entire draft was Javante, his, his college teammate. Like whenever you watch those two North Carolina guys, you're like, how did these two maniacs end up at Chapel Hill? Like, these guys are great. These guys should be at Ohio State or Alabama. So I really like them. But to answer your question, I think it depends. I, I, I have this vision of a Robert Sala Jets team where, like, you better be ready to block if you're going to be a rookie running back. And to your point, like, when you draft a rookie running back, I know they didn't take him in one of the early rounds, but, like, it's like, let's go. I want production immediately. This is yeah, not like in year five. Yeah, the let's clock's go. ticking. Yeah, you're you got to go. Shorter. Yeah. So like, dude, I need you on the field and we like, we need you on the field fast. And when we have, uh, you know, a rookie quarterback and a rookie lineman and it's third and 12, like you better be able to block somebody. I don't know. I mean, you'd have to look like, I don't know what the scouting report specifically was about his pass blocking at UNC, but it's really an interesting point because you hear that all the time about, man, this guy's great running the ball, but like, we can't even have him close to the huddle on third down. He's going to get somebody killed. So I feel like in the Sala sort of old fashioned snot bubble type team, he better be able to block. Yeah, no, I, I think that's something that everyone's very down on Michael Pirine. And I know he had was didn't was hurt and whatever, but he is a good pass blocker. And I think the, the way for him to get on the field this year actually might be because you just you can't that team is so young. And I know you guys put the graphic up and I, I tweeted it out. Like everyone's 21 or 22 years old, which is awesome. But also there's gonna be some growing pains, I think, where some weeks they're going to look awesome and they're going to upset a Miami or a Buffalo or New England, whatever, however you view the game. But they're also like, they could lose to anybody because that's what happens when you have a young team and a young coach. I just, I'm excited to watch games where other people want to tune in. Like that Panthers jets game. I get it. Like the Sam angle. It's not even like the biggest, I mean, that's the biggest angle, I guess, but I don't even look at the quarterbacks. I'm looking at all these different matchups. These, Matt rules brought in like this, he, you know, what he took the corner over taking fields. And yeah. now that guy's going to be put to the test and the jets have all these new weapons and the Panthers are super young. So like that game, like they should both score a lot of points, honestly. And like, I'm excited for it. I don't, I just not the Sam stuff is, I just don't like, I don't know why it's going to be four months and the jets beat. We'll have a field day with it. Right. Because, Oh, Sam revenge yeah. game. But I just feel like by week four, no one's really going to care. Cause if Sam sucks the next three weeks or he's great, it, that doesn't matter anymore. And same with Wilson. I, I, I actually don't even when other one of my pet peeves this time of year is I really don't like the term revenge game. And I know it's so convenient and it's low hanging fruit and there's been a million segments about it. But as far as I know, when I talk to these players as much as I can, like nine times out of 10, when they move teams, like there's not really a revenge factor. They're all kind of like, you know, I know it's a business and like, you know, I, I, I could have done some things differently and they could have like, it's rare as the case where there's an actual personal bitter thing where they want to tear up the team. Like, like Steve Smith, when he went to the Ravens, hated the Panthers, but like Steve is wired that way. That was a yeah, revenge that, game. You could, like, you could, you could have stolen his ice cream from an ice cream truck and he's going to be like, yeah, he's That's gonna hate he you. it'll be a, a revenge, you know, bomb pop. But uh, for like, for Darnold, like, 
it's not like they had to move on. They, they were painting a corner and they felt like they had to. I can't imagine Sam Darnold's like, fuck the Jets. I'm yeah, going to no. kill him. Like, I just don't look at it that way. I was going to say, I, you're I one of the few people have gotten to like meet him over the last couple of years, I feel like. And like, he just doesn't do a lot of media stuff and it, the beat stuff. You're never going to get a real quote. Like what was, and we don't have to harp on Sam too much, yeah. but what was his, like, what was being around him like? Because I feel like, is he just the same dude off camera? Cause I feel like on camera, it's just kind of like, I'm giving you nothing here. And like, that's just what you're going to get. Like, I just want to go yeah. like, hang out with my boys. I, I found, I found him like um, disarmingly kind of cool and funny and witty off camera. But I remember my, my most memorable Sam Donald moment was so 2018 season, not a good season. Um, I had to do a piece in the locker room for the Jets locker room. Like it was at the end of the year, which is terrible. I, Cause I remember it. I think it was, God, I think it might've been the day before Bowles was fired. Like it was end of the year and they were going to play a primetime game against the Texans, like a, on a Saturday night or something like that. And so I go into the piece cause the Jets are going to let me in and you know, I'm going to try, I pitch it to him. I'm like, I know it hasn't been a great season, but you know, let me, let's have some fun for the fans and let's talk about Christmas stuff or whatever, you know, what was their favorite childhood Christmas present or whatever. So I went in the locker room. Uh, I remember they were marching bowls through the hall. I actually think I might've been there the day he was fired. And um, the guys are not in good moods. Like they're not happy, but you know, they got a guy with a camera and a microphone and it's a national thing. So they're like, wow, someone's paying attention to us. That's pretty cool. So um, talked to Jamal, like Jamal was great. I talked to um, like a bunch of the different receivers they had. And um, the, the elephant in the room was Sam. And I'm talking to the Jets PR guy. I'm like, you know, is Sam going to talk? He's like, I don't know, you know, sometimes Sam's really busy and I'm in there and being in the locker room is weird. Like, like half the guys are just fully naked walking around and there's reporters. <laughs> it is really strange. And so I see Sam over there and like Sam is really young at this point. Like he's a kid. And um, I kind of start walking over to him because what you do is you walk up and you say, hey, would you mind answering a few questions? And the guys are like, yeah, sure. And uh, I Sam turns around and I'm walking towards him and I go, Hey, Sam, he goes, can't, can't, can't. And he like, just looked down, didn't even look up at me and like walked right past me. And I turned to the PR guy. I'm like, Oh, that kind of sucks. And he's like, you know, he's just, he's so disappointed about the season and he's just all about work. And I think he would be embarrassed to talk to you as the starting quarterback for this losing team. And I'm like, you know, I respect it, but like, I, I I could have hit him with a truck and he wouldn't have stopped the talk. No, there. I just feel like he's definitely it's it's interesting and I, I this point's been brought up a couple of times. To people I've had on the pod is just how each quarterback handles the media is so different. And Wilson looked like he he did. I mean, look, it's one rookie mini camp and it's easy to say all the right things right now. But even stuff with Cardin with his mom and things like he did a good job of just like having a personality but deflecting the questions that needed to be deflected and the other stuff like. I like the quotes coming out of people that have only been around him a little bit of time that he gets it. And I, I, the story about him driving for the you know 10 hours to go work out John Beck in, out in LA. And I like that stuff because I feel like fans relate when people have like that, you have a little bit of vulnerability to you. I think people really like that. And then obviously you can't be too vulnerable, like a, you know, a Wentz or somebody like that. It just like every quote yeah, is like eats yeah. at him and you know, whatever, but I'm interested to see how that kind of that all plays out. I think just having good leadership around you, you have good veterans. The team might be young, but like they need to, I want them to get the May deal done because I think if he's happy, 
he's probably like when's the last time a jets guy got an extension i don't know i I don't i literally don't even know the last time someone got an extension (laughs) and i've watched this team my whole life i don't even i can't even think off the top of my head jordan jenkins got a one-year extension cool like he's gone cool news headline that jets extend so-and-so three-year deal worth this much from ian rapaport (laughs) i mean that'd be fun yeah no it'd it'd be interesting to hear but no i guess I wanted to kind of switch gears a little bit and okay. then, you know, we'll get into, we'll get into some of the Twitter questions, but something that I think is really interesting. Have you've had some interesting guests on your pod and, and one guy in particular, who's my favorite quarterback I've ever watched, but you got some really good quotes out of Rogers and um, you know, during, you know, your pod and it's kind of crazy that it's 12 months later. And yeah. now we're kind of talking about the same stuff. I don't, I don't necessarily need a prediction or anything like that because I don't want to put you on the spot, but what do you think, ideally is it do you think the draft pick was really like that's the biggest thing or there's other stuff behind the scenes and the draft pick is like the easy cop-out answer of why he's pissed I don't think the draft pick was inconsequential I think it was really (laughs) big and I think it's kind of festered after a while because you know it's one thing that they took a quarterback last last spring and it sucked and everything but it it just it doesn't it's a problem that doesn't go away meaning it's just constantly hanging over his head and I think Roger's concern is yeah, okay, I'm the MVP now, and like, fine, I played really well, and Jordan Love hasn't even dressed for a game. But I, I'm not going to sit around and get sucker punched by you guys. You know, after next season, maybe I, maybe I don't play as well. Maybe we lose in the wild card round. I'm not going to sit here and be like, and, and you guys get rid of me and put this guy in. So I think he wants assurances that that's how it's going to go or that's not how it's going to go. Um, and look, I can't, I certainly can't speak for him. I know him a little bit. But that draft pick was big. And also, like, can we just say this? It was either the stupidest or maybe the strangest draft pick of all time. The Packers just tried to get cute. They tried to, like, beat the system and, like, get ahead of the game. And they thought they were playing chess instead of checkers. And it was stupid. It was, like, someone who, like, was like, I'm going to hit on 18. It's like, all right, tough guy, hit on 18 if you want to. See what happens. And they got a king. And they busted. And they looked like idiots. So it's not going away. And as it pertains to Rodgers, like, I've said this from the get-go. There's only three ways this goes. I've said this many times. One, there's major changes in the Packers front office. Like, they say, you're gone, you're gone, which I don't think they're going to do. It's a different type of company. I don't think that's going to happen. Two, Rodgers, you know, has a meeting with, with God or meditates or something and has a total change of mind and says, I'll just suck it up and show up like I always have. Or three, they trade him. I do not think an option is retirement. Everyone's going to say. There's, I think that's ridiculous. He's such, not going to. He's way too. I mean, like I said, you know him better than I do, but I, there's no way you listen to how competitive. He came on your show and played fake Jeopardy and was like pissed off that you like got a question wrong. That like, you know what I mean? Like the, those people don't, that is not something that they're like, oh, I'm just going to walk away as the best quarterback in football. Like that's not with like four or five years left. Like that just doesn't. I'm sorry. I, he's not walking away for Jeopardy. It's, he can say he loves it, but that's a second hobby. It's not. Yeah. People say, well, he could do. Let me assure everyone listening. There is no way that Aaron Rodgers is going to get the Jeopardy gig, which you don't even know if he's getting and then retire. Cause he's got Jeopardy. No, he wants to do both. And this whole like Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson thing, there's nothing like that going on. Like he wants to play a lot longer, like at least a few years. Retirement's not an option. Those are the only three. And I still think as we sit here, if I had to pick one, I still think trade is the most likely option because I think he's dug in. Yeah, no, I, I just, I was interested. I thought, again, this is like, you know, whatever, we, we'll get to more fun stuff. But it's even what the Jets did with Jamal Adams. And I know they're yeah. totally different people, but I hate the prospect of 
waiting to trade a guy until after and then you have to wait an entire year to see where those picks land and look it worked out for the jets the seahawks weren't as good as people thought they got bounced early and the picks are going to be even better i think because i don't know how good seattle's going to be but the jets basically just threw away all of 2020 because they traded their best player and they like clearly were tanking and it's like the packers trade rogers now they don't get to go just add justin fields in the draft and add four guys now it's like an entire year of like oh is jordan love also, the underrated thing, it's not that they took a quarterback. It's that they traded up and took a quarterback when he clearly needed a receiver. And then the next round took a running back who, yeah, it's great. And he, he he's on your show. You know, he, he goes on angry runs once in a while. But, like, yeah. he doesn't. And they just paid another running back. And, like, that whole draft is a wash. And it's like they've now been plays away from a title – or plays away from a Super Bowl two years in a row. So, I'm sorry. He's not walking away. And the Packers – it's on the Packers. I'm sorry. I, I don't care mm-hmm. if people don't love – Rodgers for whatever reason like that's it's on them uh, so that's just my two cents on that but good um one of my obviously everyone loves the angry runs and, and things like that and watch like watching you get hyped up is there how do you like on you're sitting on a Sunday there it is yeah I got the scepter right here it's my home scepter for the home show yeah and I, <laughs> um how does like how do you feel like that kind of all came about because obviously people see it and stuff like that and now it's like yeah. fun people tagging you and stuff but where did that kind of all kind of come from? Is it just I played running back and it's fun to watch you go run somebody over, or is it something else? That has a lot to do with it. You know, I played running back for nine years, and it also like I I was not nifty. I, I was not a great open field runner. Like I didn't have great shake. Like what I brought, what I I brought physicality. I could if it was fourth and one and I got the ball, I could get the first down. So I always gravitated to that type of runner. You know, I, I always liked maybe the like the Derrick Henry types or like the the Nick Chubbs more than the McCaffrey's like that's just because I was just I saw more of myself so like four years ago we were in the offseason like we are now and we just had to come up with some shit and we just make stuff up because there's no games no nothing and often when you have to make up stuff in sports you go to uh rankings you know here's my top 10 whatever um and for whatever reason I said I want to just rank my top five angriest runners in the league and at the time, I remember number one, again, it's not best runners or most prolific. It's just the guys who like run with the most attitude. Number one was from the Saints, Mark Ingram. This is young Mark Ingram, like was always screaming afterwards and like flexing. And I loved Mark Ingram. So we do that in the spring. People liked it. You know, you get the players and they retweet it and they love it. So in the fall, you know, Nate Burleson has always done toe drag swag. And I'm like, toe drag swag is, is ballet. Like we need an MMA. We need toe yeah. drag swag. But like an anger show. Yeah. We need like, toe, toe drag swag is all beautiful and Nate and he's all cool. I like, I need some screaming and some death metal. So I'm like, what if every week, instead of toe tap touches on the sideline, we started rounding up guys who like step on someone's face after they stiff arm them. Cause there's like, here's the thing. Well, this is what it's really about. And this is why it's successful. People are dying for the physicality in the sport still. They're, they're thirsty for the violence because it's, it's every year it gets a little smaller. And people remember when I was in the third grade, I remember this guy slammed him in under the chin and I loved it. And like, so the game is safer. It's a lot more um, cleaned up, but people still love the violence and angry runs. I don't like to use this word because it's a loaded word, but it's, it is about violence. And it's, here's the thing. The only, the only rules we have is if, if anybody gets hurt on the play, like a defensive player has to leave the game, we don't use it. If anybody gets flagged on the game for like hitting with their crown, we don't use it. So it's safe. 
but people love the physicality. And now we've done it like four or five years in a row and everybody gets a scepter and like, it's, it's amazing. I love it. I love doing it just as much oh, yeah. as anybody loves watching it. No, I, I enjoy it. And it's, it's fun to, uh, I, the different segments in the, and I know you guys get a lot of compliments in the show. And I, I think that's a huge praise to like, you know, you guys as a whole and just bring the reason I enjoy good morning football. And like, I've been lucky enough to see it in person. And I think it's because you guys use like your energy in the positive way and it's not all the dramatic stupid debates that yeah and don't get me wrong there's some debates that no matter what you have to have and it's like yeah but it's about like it's just like a good content that you can relate to whether you're a diehard fan or you're not and i think some like all the debate shows they're great and that stuff like that but it's like people just blatantly taking sides to take sides and it's getting an argument like it's like i'd rather just want to hear about the games and like hear about the actual interesting stuff and storylines in the nfl that is the reason it's the best TV show on the, in the planet. Like, that's what it is. It's an entertainment series. I know people hate Coward for whatever reason, and he's just funny takes, but it's true. He's like, it's a reality TV show every single week. And he's like, you're tuned in and it's an event. So, I, you know, it's it's true. Like, Well, thank you. I, you know, yeah. I, I swear that there was a time, a long time ago when I was younger and you were much younger. Like, I swear sports used to be fun. Like, I, I no one can tell me they didn't. I remember they used to be fun. And I don't know, like, I watch some of these other shows sometimes, even like really successful shows, and I'm like, do you even like sports? Do you like watching the games? Like, you seem really pissed off all the time. So, like, it doesn't even feel like you like what you're doing. And, you know, plus, we're out in the morning. You get up and you, like, you might still be in bed when you turn on our show. You can't start your day with two people screaming about Dak Prescott and saying you're an idiot. Like, you have to have some positivity. And for us, it's just natural. Like we all really, really like football. I swear we do. Oh, I, I, I know. I'm saying like I, I mean, I know from personal experience, but it's, it's, in, it's one of those things. It's just, it's fun to be around people that like enjoy the sport they're covering, enjoy what they're doing. Because again, like you said, like sometimes it's okay to be positive. Like there's not everything has to be some negative, horrible thing, and the world's crashing, and burning. But when it's yeah. appropriate, it's appropriate. But when it's not. It's okay. You can celebrate just because a team yeah. loses another team won, and you should probably be pretty hyped about that team winning also. Yeah. You know what? I, I read a quote once from, from Max Kellerman and you know, Max is on first take and it's a, obviously a very, very successful show, but it's very different. And he said like, people are always saying we're screaming and we're screaming. And his explanation was, he's like, well, that's how you talk to your friends about sports. Like you yell at each other and you get mad and maybe he does, but I'm like, I don't talk to my, I don't scream at my friends about sports. Like when we, my friends and I were talking about sports, we're like making jokes and like talking about how a player wears his wristbands. And we're saying like, God, he's so cool. Like I, I don't want to have friends that I yell at about sports, but maybe just Max and I have different types of friends. And so like, yeah. I like to actually like laugh and like build things with my friends about sports. And so that's what we do. That's, that's, what, yeah, that's what you, that's what you would think. But no, I, uh, well, there's a, we, you actually, you retweeted it and there's some, there's some interesting questions. You kind of said fire away with whatever. Okay, good. There's we got to go to the comment of, box. What of, we got? There's a bunch of gym questions. There's a bunch of jawline reality TV. So we've what obviously worked, we've worked out a bunch together. Yeah. The first question drew from Jersey, who's famous on Jets Twitter. It's a two part question and saying, one, do you use bar clamps when you bench? And if so, why are you soft? And <laughs> Can you, if you can't get 20 reps of 225, are you using pre-workout and do you dry scoop? <laughs> so it's a two-part, it's a two-parter of uh, bar clamps, pre-workout and, and 225 reps. All right. And just so I understand who I'm dealing with, Drew, for, Drew from Jersey, he's like a known guy. Like he's like a known, know. he's like known for like, everyone knows okay. his triceps, I guess, on Jets. Oh, Twitter, really? That's what I understand. I guess. Yeah. It's a big thing that he talked about. Like Carl Lawson was going to be a good jet because his triceps were big. 
Oh, okay. it's not proven a fact, I don't think, but I, I think that's the the running. That's my understanding of it. Well, nobody had bigger triceps than Golston. Golston oh, that, was an unbelievable yeah, that was, specimen. <laughs> that worked out well. <laughs> uh, so let me think. Um, you know, I, I actually, yeah, I do use clamps when I bench. Oh, I do too. Um, so don't worry. It's okay. Oh, believe me. I'm very secure. Very, very secure in it. I, I use clamps. Just, I'm also in a world where like, you know, I, I buckle my children in the car seats and now I wear a bike helmet and all that stuff. So safety first, that type of thing. And Drew in Jersey, like if you have a problem with me using clamps, I'll be more than happy to do a bench off anytime you want. I don't think it'll go well for you. And I'm sure I'm much older than you. Let's um, go. I, I don't, you pre-workout. All right. So I, I've heard what that is for a long time. I see the term and like, it's always used pre-workout. I see it in memes and stuff. And I didn't really know what it was until recently. I asked someone, I'm like, what the hell is pre-workout? I mean, look, I, I drink a cup of coffee before I work out. Like that's, that's my pre-workout. But as I understand it, it's one of these crazy accelerants that makes your heartbeat really fast and makes you want to throw the barbell through the roof. Like I, I, I don't use that. Maybe there'd be more gains if I did, but no, it sounds scary. I'm not into that. <laughs> I I've only, I've been using it recently and it, it definitely, uh, it's a lot of, I don't do coffee. So for me, if you okay. drink coffee and pre-workout, I, and you have a lot of natural energy, I think it'd be honestly quite frankly a problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be honest. Wait, did you say, wait, what did you say? Dry scoop? Is that yeah, a like term? People just I don't like know take the scoop of it. Like instead of like, I put it in a water bottle, like I, whatever, like I'm big, People just take a scoop of legitimate, like, powder, like chemical powder, and just throw it back, and just like start screaming. So it's like and a then trend they put it on, on the gram. Yeah, and they trend it on TikTok <laughs> and the whole. It's very, it's it's interesting. It's usually, uh, I wouldn't. I've not done that. I, I'm still trying I, to figure I, out the cinnamon challenge. I yeah, I, I tried doing it once because I literally didn't have water, and yeah. I literally had to like pull a trig and like throw up because I was like, no. my mouth feels disgusting. On, so, dude. um, well, we'll go to. There's like 16 questions here about your jawline. Walk us through your jawline routine from the Shark Knight 7. Uh, what do you do for your jawline? Like it's, there's a lot. Oh, then there was, has Kyle ever made a Jets player with anywhere close to as much of a defined jawline as him from Come On Brother 7? So like how many times a day are people really commenting on your jawline? Because I mean, it's not, great, but like it's kind of an many. interesting I thing. Mean, yeah, it's, it's, listen. I, it's not, I've done nothing to make my jaw look the way it does. I take no credit. I guess it would go to my parents. I, you know, what's funny about the only thing I would say funny about this, this interesting content is uh, last fall for the first time ever in my life, I was invited onto the Dan Lebetard show and I was supposed to go on and, you know, talk some football and promote 10 questions. And that show is so different and so uh, against the grain and so fun that they came on and they're introducing me and it's Stu Gatz and Levitard and Levitard's doing the thing. He's like, and our next guest, uh, never mind all the incredible jawline, blah, 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 blah. He's just doing this whole ramp up. And then he comes on and his first question is not even like, how are you or what's going on? He's like, so who would you say are the great jawline athletes? And I'm like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't have this prepared. And so I went to um, Greg Olson, incredible looking man. He looks kind of like a merman, like he should have a trident. And then I talked about the guy from Starship Troopers, Johnny Rico. Um, he has an incredible jawline. <laughs> and then we started talking about um, Paul Puzlesny, the old linebacker, Howie Long. And we talked for like 12 minutes about jawline. That's like 12 sports. TV minutes. So like, that's like, yeah, yeah like that's not for real minutes. And then minutes, he's yeah. like, well, Kyle, this was one of my favorite radio appearances of the year. And everybody listen to your podcast, 10 questions, and we'll see you next time. And that was the whole appearance. So that's my, my favorite thing that has ever happened because of this question. 
Uh, any other answer by that would would make me a douchebag. But thank you for everyone. For no, those. yeah, no. I hey, I'm, I guess I I guess I got to sharpen my jawline before uh, before I go on TV at some point. But uh, from Don McJohnson goes, Kyle, who wins in a fight, a grizzly or a gorilla or a grizzly bear? And part two, why have you not returned to reality TV? I'm disappointed. All right, I'll answer the second one first. Uh, I was on The Real World in 2001, and it aired in 2002. I don't know, like maybe if you were living with six strangers in the early 2000s in <laughs> Chicago with cameras on you for four months while 9-11 happens, you might find it slightly traumatizing. Uh, the real world was fun for a couple of months and then really hard for two months. I lost weight. I was very stressed out. You worried about how you're going to come off. You know, this is pre-social media. I wasn't an exhibitionist like that. So everyone's like, oh, you should do the challenge. And I'm like, look, I've put it out there several times. If they want to pay me like a hefty six figures and first class travel, I'll do it. Not entry level six figures. I'm talking like into the meat of the six figures. And yeah, they have the, not the high that. six figures. Yeah. I, I, listen, well, I, I wouldn't even say hi. I'll set up for mid, but uh, they have not offered that yet and they will not. So that's the prolonging their return to re reality television. And then the first one. Gorilla or grizzly bears? All right. Well, I would have said, I would have said gorilla for most of my life, but let's look at what happened in the last five or six years. We had compelling evidence for both of them. First of all, the death of Harambe, who like really like, you know, I, I wouldn't expect him to win against um, people with rifles, but are also around that same time is when we got the Revenant. And holy shit, I don't care that that was Hollywood and uh, all, I, I'll take the grizzly bear over the great white shark, over Thanos, over everybody. And you're gonna say, yeah, but DiCaprio still killed him. I don't care. The fury of that bear, I think it's spared DiCaprio. When it's stomping on its head like that, oh, yeah. I, uh, it, I, I'm going to take the grizzly. Yeah, all right. That's fair. I would probably go the same. I was at the zoo a couple of days ago, and all I could just picture is this bear just, like, jumping over the, the little meridian or whatever the, yeah. or whatever the right word is and, like, killing sure. me. So another uh, Joe Caparoso, who obviously people know uh, from Turn on the Jets, would you rather fight a hundred Michael Carter-sized Mackay Beckton's or one <laughs> Mackay Beckton-sized Michael Carter? Basically, would you rather get your ass kicked by a hundred people or one? Is kind of the way I interpreted it because I'd probably lose either way. All right, um, I think. Look, I think I'm going to take my chances with the little Mackay Beckton's <laughs> because <laughs> anybody who is the size of Mackay Beckton, that's not going to go well for me in any way. I. I <laughs> I'd rather take on the Grizzly. So I think if it's the little guys, you know, there's a kicking involved and like I could use some sort of my strength. Um, I would still rather fight the guy though, who's, who makes fun of me for using clamps on the bench. I'll take that's, my chances. All right, that's fair. I, yeah, Drew from Jersey. <laughs> See, I don't even know who I'm talking about. I'm meddling with Drew and he probably will find me and beat me up. So no, Drew, I, I'm just busting chops. Yeah. <laughs> We got this one. I think you'll like this one. There's been like a if people that are soccer fans, which is probably basically nobody other than me that is on this podcast. Um, yeah. It's the biggest start, you know, start bench drop thing with the players. It's like, oh, who would I start on a team? Who would I? Oh, yeah. Know, put sure. bench? Yeah. Bench so someone went start trade cut. So I guess for a football perspective, days of our lives, Jim yeah. Rome is burning in real world. I like, think this is a good question from Stefan uh, from Stephen Smith. It's basically like your Mary F. Kill. Yeah, right, so start yeah, the, the appropriate cut. version of it. <laughs> All right. So um, I have to I have to cut Jim Rome's burning. I, I love JRIB and I love Rome, but I feel like 
most of the time that I spent working with that, we had a different show on CBS Sports Network that was just called Rome. So like, I wasn't there for the origin of Jim Rome's Burning. I was kind of coming late. I love the show and I watched it as a fan before I worked on it. And it's time for my final burn. Like, I love that stuff, but I'm going to cut it just because it's not really mine. Um, and then I'm going to trade uh, Real World. I'm going to trade Real World for Road Rules, which I think would be more to my skill set. Uh, I would want to go in the RV and do physical challenges which means I'm going to start days of our lives. And you, you're damn right. I'm going to start days of our lives. I was a 23 year old guy living in LA. I got a job to be on NBC every single day. Now, mind you, not, you know, Peacock or NBC, such and such network, NBC proper, the same network that Alan Chris are doing the Sunday night football. I was on five days a week in the mid two thousands, taking my shirt off and talking about amnesia. Can you imagine that gig? It was awesome. I loved it. So that uh, is my day one starter. All right. That, I like that. I like that side note. Speaking yeah. of reality TV, Mike Renner, who's coming on the pod from PFF, just found yeah. out he was on the bachelor bachelorette had no idea. Also didn't realize he had long hair at the time. So I definitely going to have to get into that because right, I was so very confused. It's fascinating. I, I don't know Mike personally, but he's been on Good Morning Football a handful of times. And I, th I think the first time he came on was a couple of years ago. And it was fresh off the Bachelor, I guess the Bachelorette experience. And like, all we wanted to do was talk Bachelorette. So like, you know, he's there to, to, to break down whatever it is, you know, the, the percentage of Kyler Murray in the red zone and all that great stuff that he knows really well. And we're all like, so, you know, who would your first impression, Rose, be in this draft? Or like, who goes to the fantasy suite? And it was a very good sport at the beginning and the middle. I think at the end of it, I, th I think he was ready to talk some ball. Yeah. So I've always liked Mike, and I think we took it too far, which I appreciate because, you know, I I've been there too. So, Mike, I get it. I think we went too far. All right. That's fair. That's fair. We went – this will be – if you're a large monitor Westchester person, this question – the end of it will be interesting, but um, Mikey Chase Five asks, best veteran quarterback to mentor Zach Wilson, would you take on a contract to someone or would it be a guy like Foles that would make sense? And then Sherwoods or LT? Okay, man. All right. Sherwoods or LT? Um, honestly, right now, if you're listening to Westchester, I'd say option C. I'd say La La Taqueria. I'm loving La that La That place, his right are pretty good. Not okay, hello. The margs, the tacos, like, I love it. When we first moved to Larchmont, and I'll make this brief for anyone not living in Westchester, we only knew one restaurant. I had, we had a newborn baby and a three-year-old, and we would go to Sherwood's like three times a week. That was our, our de facto <laughs> landing spot. Like, that was like our Ellis Island. We yeah, show up so from this other world house, called so California, <laughs> and that was a place where everybody knows our name. So of the options you gave me, as much as I like LT, I'll say Sherwood's. And um, yeah, a, a guy to mentor Zach Wilson, you got to run it back. I, I don't think there is a player that I've respected more, maybe liked more in the last 50 years of the NFL than Josh McCown. I love Josh McCown. I don't care where he is, what he's doing. It would always be a great investment. I consider him a friend. Um, we text. He's brilliant. I like that guy could be 70 years old. Just put him in some pads and a baseball cap and just have him mentor the young quarterback. I know it could have worked better with Sam. I don't think it has anything to do with Josh. Josh McCown is always going to be my answer. Uh, by the way, have you? I don't know if you've dug into this. I got in a weird, uh, dark hole one time when I couldn't sleep watching Josh McCown, Arch Manning, and Chad Pennington's son's highlights. Josh McCown's son is very good. I Tell think he committed, committed to Colorado lefty very fast, uh -huh. like long, like 6'2, 205, maybe, but like 
ripping it up in, in high school. I mean, I only saw his junior film, so I don't oh know right. how much better he got, but lefty going to he committed to Colorado. I saw a couple weeks ago. This is uh, fantastic. I did not know this. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I think he was coaching thing. him, right? Yeah. Yeah. You think that McCown is like just this tall pocket quarterback. Like if you know the history, McCown does windmill dunks. McCown played wide receiver at one point in the pros and in, in an emergency and like was running <laughs> patterns and making catches. Like he's a crazy athlete. So I'm, I know Arch Manning, but now I'm going to look out for McCown too. All right. There we go. Here we'll go. We'll get in a couple of football ones. Cause I know people want to ask about the jets as well, but um N-I-W-N-A underscore asked, if Nate could, go, could get Kyle on Legends of the Hidden Temple, what would, who would he choose as his partner among your co-hosts to win it all? Don't know Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. So I was hoping you wouldn't know. That <laughs> <laughs> no, I know a lot. I know like, you know, Lord of the Rings and the Ocarina of Time. I would Legends say just if you can't choose Nate, I would, no disrespect to Kay. I feel like Schrager, who people don't realize maybe is like, Schrager is definitely when I like when I interact with him, he's much taller than me. And oh, I'm six three. So I he was I say you just go Schrager based on height in case you need to like catapult over something. Yeah, it sounds like if it's a hidden temple, there must be obstacles. And um Kay is very petite and Peter is is like Shrek. So I, I'll I'll take <laughs> Peter if I'm gonna need his size, I guess. <laughs> we got Michael Parsons asked, what comes first? The Jets reaching the playoffs or Zach Wilson growing facial hair? Oh, the playoffs for sure. 100%. I, some people never, just can't grow. I was just going to say, some people don't grow it. It's not like a... No, it's, not, it's nothing new with him. I remember when... Uh, remember years ago when uh, Movember was really hot and everyone was growing mustaches and it was just a cool thing. I got to be on the radio one day and Peyton Manning was doing a like a DirecTV circuit. And so he came on the show and I was really young and I got to interview Peyton and during his career, it was amazing. And I asked that. I'm like, so Peyton, what's up? Like, why aren't you, why aren't you growing a mustache? And he's just like... I can't, <laughs> there's nothing. I, I, it's not that I don't want to, or that I wouldn't, I just can't. And we're talking about like a, an historically gifted human being from like the most gifted family ever can't grow a mustache. So I think it's the playoffs for sure. All right. That's I, 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 I enjoy that one. We got Fred understore shell. Uh, if I mispronounce your name, sorry. Um, more important game for Zach Wilson to shine week one versus Darnold or week 16 versus Lawrence. And then, um, considering the Jets have now added Carl Lawson and have CJ Mosley back, what are the chances the defense is in the top 10 in the league? All right. So remind me. Basically, Will. basically, like, is it harder for them? Is like, what's more important? He plays well against Darnold, but he plays well against Trevor Lawrence. It's basically like the two guys he'll be yeah. kind of compared to. Remind me, all right, is the Jets Panthers game in New York or Carolina? No, it's in Carolina. And then the Trevor Lawrence went in New York at the end of the year. I still would say week one and it has nothing to do with Darnold. It's just like week one is week one. It's the first time we see you. We know you're starting. You're not like one of these other guys or fields and Lance, like you're starting from week one. And just like, you know how this works. I don't really even care if they win or lose the game. What if like, what if Wilson throws three interceptions and they lose like that's very bad and it's going to be really biblical, but if he throws three touchdowns and they win or they lose, it's huge. The first impressions are so big, which is why, my favorite week one game, and there's here's a hot schedule take. It has nothing to do with Cowboys, Bucks, or any of that stuff. I'm going to be fascinated by the Giants home against the Broncos because if Daniel Jones loses to Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater at home with all those new players they got on him, it's like, dude, get this guy out of here. We, we, how are we going to beat 
anybody in the NFC, if we're losing to Drew Locke on our home field in year three, like it is going to be anarchy. So it might be the best thing the Jets have going for them week one is if Daniel Jones falls on his face against the Broncos. That'll cover up all the warts. Everyone said started the Sam kind of corpse and Sam Grave last year after they lost to the Broncos in New York. So not to be that guy, but I, we've talked about this off, you know, off, off air, obviously. Yeah. The thing with Jones, and I don't want to have to go down the whole ramp. Like, it's not that I don't think he has talent, and it's not that I don't think – I just don't like the fact that he's been – he's got so many weapons around him. He's got a head coach that people really like, although I'd like to see another year before I anoint him the next coming of Belichick. Like, they won six games in the worst division in NFL history. Um, they have so many weapons that we didn't – like, the graphic you threw up with Gardner Minshew, and I know you could do the same thing with Sam, and I'm going to get a bunch of people that are going to flip out about it, but – I, the Jets traded Sam, so the conversation's over. It, over. It, it, it moved on. So Daniel Jones is the next guy, and like he was a reach of the draft. That draft class of QB sucks. It's Kyler and a bunch of guys, and yeah. it's, and Gardner and Daniel Jones and whatever. But I just think there's a lot of pressure, and like if if the, the roles are reversed, like we saw it last year, like the Jets were the worst team in the league minus the Jaguars, and they were still a topic on every show because of Sam. I don't even feel like people are talking about how much pressure is on Daniel Jones. Like mm-hmm. we didn't, you guys didn't even, you didn't even have to include the fumbles on that graphic and it still was not flattering. Like I need to see something. I need to see you go win a game on your own. Not like you fall because, and then lose to the Eagles because you didn't score there. Like that to me, like I know. we just, as a Jets fan and Jets fans, I'm sure get pissed about it. Like it's the same thing. The Mets, you know, John Carlo goes 0 for five in his first game, whatever. Lindor goes over five. It's like, haha, the Mets suck. You know, it's just, it's, you, it's tough to, it's tough to watch Daniel Jones because I think he could do it, but I also feel like I'm more than you know okay saying like there's, it's make or break it. The first eight games, like you got, you got to ball, dude, or else mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. And you open up against Broncos, Redskins, I mean Washington football team, yeah. who are probably two of the ten, two of six or seven best defense in football. Get it done. Sorry, yeah. you spend a it's lot amazing. of money, a lot of draft picks. I don't know. And then you take a guy with uh, the nickname AR-15 because of his obsession <laughs> with guns. So that'll be fun. Um, I wanted to go to a couple of things that people who follow you on Instagram, I think would kind of, you know, obviously we kind of joked about a lot of the lifting stuff. You've gone, you know, we've kind of gotten this kind of insane shape. Now I got a bunch of questions. Do you wear yeah. any size bigger than what was kind of the, where was the switch where you're like, I wanted to like just get absolutely shredded. And then, how how difficult is it working on tv doing a lot of the stuff you with 10 questions and stuff like that but staying in you know and staying and maintaining in, in that type of shape because i feel like it's hard for me and i don't have quite as much responsibility as you do yeah no it is hard i, I listen if, for for those listening who don't know uh about two years ago i was 40 and i'm 511 and i was 218 pounds and listen I, there's a lot of people who have a lot worse off or a lot heavier and i understand that but I just like, I, I was gross. I was mushy. I had a gut I was developing. I, I just wasn't in shape at all. I was 218 pounds. And after about a year, I had lost 30 pounds and I was down to about 188. Um, and I, listen, something happens when you turn 40, you start to seeing like, shoot, I'm not young anymore. If I don't get in shape now, I never am going to. You start to look around at your peers. And um, 40 is kind of the period where a lot of guys just say, screw it. <laughs> like I'm out. I'm just going to be fat. Like, Closer to what, 300 than 200. <laughs> yeah. Also like, 
what's tell me what my motivation is. Um, I, I have a wife. I've been married for over 10 years. I have kids. I'm not really looking to be attractive to women. I'm not in any organized sports. Uh, I like drinking beer and eating. So like, explain to me what my motivation is to be in shape. There, there, it's hard. There really isn't any. You're not dating. Like you're not playing even in like a weekend rec league basketball. You're doing nothing. So like, it's really fun to eat and drink and get fat. And I did it for a long time. And I, I don't know, I just got gross with myself. And the real superficial part of it was I'm not only making my living in a visual medium, the way that that goddamn table and good morning football is set up is that every single segment everyone starts, sees you yeah well they see me in profile i'm yeah. sitting at the most unflattering angle right in the middle of the camera and i have to suck it in so hard i'm almost breaking my ribs or i look gigantic and i'm like what am i doing this i i used to be an actual like a respectable athlete i think i maybe need to get in shape so you start to lift a lot i i invested in a trainer which is very it's a pain in the ass i don't like paying for it but it works and like look he's, he's more an than anything beast. Oh, Jake Zemer. Yeah, he, he looks like Zangie from Straight Fighter. He is an absolute animal. But and he'll be the first person to tell you this. And anybody listening who's like, maybe I should get in shape. Lifting is fine and gains and all that stuff. Dude, it is all diet. Like it's it's 90 percent diet. I'll put it that way. Like you have to stop eating all this bullshit all the time. And if you do, <laughs> like you actually will lose weight. But you could do 50,000 sit ups and bench 800 pounds. If you go and hit the Cool Ranch Doritos, you'll be fat as shit. I'm yeah. telling you, it doesn't matter. It's food. It's all food. Yeah, no. And then that kind of leads me to, and I, I know it's something that I just like to talk about too, because I think I kind of, I worked out with you on both sides of it. And it's definitely something that's super interesting just to see, like, even I'm 26 years old and it's like all my life, it's like gain weight to play, gain weight to play football, gain weight. To play. And then all of a sudden, like I'm eating 5,000 calories a day and I'm drinking and now I'm not practicing for three hours a day. And it's mm -hmm. like, you can, you're even that, that one hour lift as much as like, I've never been stronger and that's great, but you still got to eat well or else like it doesn't matter. And so, um, obviously a big thing for you too, is like on the weekends when you do eat, you know, some of those meals, you've been doing a lot of intricate stuff. So what, <laughs> what kind of, you know, I, me, me and Alex who you obviously know, and people yeah. listening, whatever, try to cook ribs and like, they came out okay, but like, where was kind of the, what's been like one of the most fun things to cook? Because I feel like, I mean, there's a lot of different things. I know it's hard to yeah. narrow it down to one, but I feel like the brisket was definitely a passion, a passion thing. Oh my thing. God, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and I, this also ties directly to the diet thing. So what I have figured out on what I've gotten a hold of, what works for me is I am like a freaking monk for five days a week. I am very light. I count calories. It's like 900 or a thousand. It's really low. And then in the weekend, it's like Mardi Gras. Like I'm hitting 3000 a day, 3000 Friday, 3000 Saturday, and then Sunday and I wake up and it's back to a thousand. So on those 3000 days, I go nuts. And it's like martinis and burgers. And like, I can eat pretty much anything I want because I work so hard during the week. So um, what inspired me was I got a hold of one of a, of a Traeger. And if you don't know what Traeger is, it's, um, it's a smoker and a grill. It's, you know, it's these, one of these huge brands. People do the, the green egg or the master built. I have a Traeger and it, it's never mind the Traeger for a second. It's part of a bigger thing that, well, when you get older, you'll start to learn more about. <laughs> you get to a certain age, you're just looking for toys. You're looking for grown up toys. Like I, I don't play video games anymore. Like I don't have action figures and Legos, but I have a Traeger. And on the weekend, I like to play with my toy and I like to 
figure out which wood pellet I'm going to use for this meat and how long. And like, I get up in the middle of the night to take the brisket out of the fridge so it can be at room temperature when it's time to smoke it at 6 a.m. Like, it's so fun. It's like my game day. I feel yeah. like I put on a pregame music. You're pumped up to go. I do. When it's rib day or whatever it may be, uh, you know, pork shoulder day, beef rib day, it's it's my game day. And um, it's a toy. You look for toys when you get older. And I found one. I love it. No, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to kind of keep in, you know, keep track of and something that kind of goes hand in hand with both, but there's been the the new, obviously, I don't know which magazine it was and whatever. It's not, I guess it's not really that theoretically important, but with this stuff with the Jordans, like where did that, I know you've been asked about this and I know it's kind of like, I know where it started, but for people who like kind of see it and stuff on your stories, were you always kind of big into the Jordan stuff or was it more I know you're a Chicago person and stuff like yeah. that. And Jordan's a goat. And if you don't believe that, then don't really Just care. Yeah, literally, I don't care. Um, but where did that kind of start? And then do you feel now like it's kind of just like another thing for you? It's like, hey, it's like a kind of cool thing. People can relate to me on this. Or how does yeah. that kind of all work? So I grew up, I, I won the sports fan Powerball. Like whatever the forces of the universe just decided that in my adolescence, I would grow up in suburban Chicago in the early 90s. So I lived a couple towns over from when the Jordan Bulls would practice, where they would do it in the the multiplex in Deerfield initially. Uh, I vividly remember driving to school with uh, my friends, Mark's parents. No, we were driving to soccer practice and we pulled up to the stoplight and there was a black Ferrari and it said Air 23 on the license plate. And we're absolutely, we're 12 years old and we're losing our shit. And we can see it. The windows are tinted, but we can see him in there with sunglasses on. We're like, that was Michael Jordan. And the light turns green and he drives away. And like, we would see Horace Grant. We would see John Paxson just around town, like at the grocery store. It was like seeing the Avengers. Like you'd see Thor and you'd see Iron Man, like at the grocery store, the video store. So I grew up organically in love with Michael Jordan because he wasn't just, you know, my hero. He was... He was my neighbor. He was very real to me. So first day of school in sixth grade, um, I had saved up some money to pay for half. And I think it was my stepdad paid for the other half of, I got some Jordan fives. And even in 1991, they were $125 and which is crazy. It's a lot of money. Tons. 1991, 125 bucks for sixth grade kids. So his deal was I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll get them for you. Cause you've been great all summer. Um, but you have to pay for half. So I did. And that was, I had a pair of black fives and I wore them to school the first day of school. And like, I cherished them and I would take them home and like, you know, pick dirt out of the bottom and I would clean them. And like, they were, they were my babies. So now that the whole shoe culture thing has gone crazy, um, I have, you know, Nate Burleson, I, I, I'm, I'm making this up. I think he has like three or 400 pairs of sneakers. And the greatest thing that's happened to me with good morning football is that just by good, good chance, I am the same shoe size as Nate Burleson. I'm a 12, just like he's a 12. So Nate will be like, hey, I had these extra pairs of these authentic, uh, you know, tens from back in the day. You want these? And I was like, yeah, Nate, I want them. So I just started, I don't have a giant shoe collection, but I have some Jordans that I really like. And then there's this amazing company on the Maranek Avenue uh, called Direct Kicks Online. And they have a big Instagram presence. And like, I walked into the store, I felt like I was 200 years old and it's, it's a shoe exchange. So I go up to the guy at the counter, I'm like, listen, dude, cards on the, t- how the hell does this work? What, what am I doing here? Can I buy, is this a shoe store? And he's like, kind of, he's like, you can bring in shoes and we'll take them and you can exchange them. Like it, I just had never been through that before. 
So now I've got some shoes from them and I'll continue to, and I wear them on Fridays and good morning football. And I try not to be too douchey about it. And I feel justified because it's not like the Steve Buscemi, like how it do fellow kids. Like I grew up organically trained with Jordans. I've wore them since the nineties when Jordan was wearing them. So I feel it's every bit my right to wear them. Um, and I sometimes I'll put pictures up them on Friday and it's cool. Cause everybody look, you either, um, you either have Jordans or you want to have them. And I've been both in life. They're amazing. So I try to change it up every Friday and uh, I think it's so cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, Hey, if you want to talk douchey, if Louis loafers and, and Gucci belts and stuff, it's a little, <laughs> it seems a little bit more kind of up that, uh, yeah, like I wouldn't wear Yeezys, Will. I don't know what the hell yeah. that means. That means nothing to me. I would never do that. Jordan, I'm, a size, I'm, I'm a size 14 or 14 and a half, and I can't even half the time, I can't even buy those shoes. So I kind of feel like an idiot. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'll figure it out. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get something else that's going to uh, gonna match it. We'll finish with two questions. Um, one, 10 questions related, and then one, okay. I don't know. If, your seven-year-old son, who I know, but I'm, I don't know how you feel sure. about Yeah. Who of like a are you going to let him play football if he wants to and uh-huh. b how excited are you for like if good morning football is around in 10 years and he's like in a high school game American <laughs> high school to like to be on angry runs like do That's you amazing. think about that sometimes sure um i calvin plays flag football he played last year and i was his coach and we would play on the American high school varsity field for the games so about the whole let will you let your kid play thing um, my wife, Brooke, didn't grow up around contact football. And so she's a little reticent about it. And here's the thing. Calvin is very, very big he's for his mad. size. No, he's like, asked, he, would, he could run me over hundred percent. Yeah. I don't, he's, he's just, he's off the charts. He's really tall and really big and he's fast and he's just showing all the stuff. Like he's right now projecting, you know, like a tight end, like just, or maybe a D end or something like that. So I always say, and I would say this to anybody, my advice for contact football. And I know, Will, I think yours was a little different. I didn't put on pads until I was in eighth grade and I loved it because it gave me my one year, like in the minors before high school started. And I remember going to high school freshman team and there were kids who had never played before and they don't even know how to put on their pads, like let alone hit or protect themselves. So I had one year in eighth grade where I could learn how to use shoulder pads and just kind of learn what it was all about. And then you hit high school, which is pretty serious and you're off and running before then it was soccer and flag and everything. So Calvin, my seven-year-old, will not play tackle football until he's in eighth grade at the earliest. And then also now, like, people would ask that when he was born seven years ago. And I'm like, look, he's not going to play until he's 13. And who knows what the game's going to even look like in 13 years? Like, who knows what the pads are going to be, what the rules are going to be? It's changing, like, by the month. So um, we'll see. And I would say this, like, if Calvin wants to play and he's into it and he's like, can I please play? I can't sit here and say, no, I'd be an asshole. Like I, and I'd be a hypocrite. So yeah. if all those boxes are checked, yeah, I hope you plays. Yeah, no, I'm, I like, I started as early as like humanly possible. And you did. Yeah. I play like five or six years old. Like we're in tackle oh and like, which with pads, yeah. With pads, like Oklahoma drills, like running other, whatever, wow. but yeah, which is good and bad, I guess it's like headed. <laughs> I'll see in 25, 30 years how, yeah, right. how I feel about it, but no, I feel like even Bill Simmons, who obviously people know from, you know, sure. and he talks about all the time, like he was like so anti letting his son, Ben, who's like this big WWE guy play. And now he's like, if he wants to play in high school, like I'm not going to stop him because at that point, at least you're at a point where your body can handle it. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's it, maybe it started kids earlier. Or, I mean, later and things like that, but I don't, 
I don't, I'm not buying that we can have any idea what CT is going to look like for people that are playing now because the pads are not the same that they were when guys in the fifties or with leather helmets are just headbutting each other over and over mm-hmm. again. Like it's not, there's no correlation. So I just get very uh, defensive about that stuff, but last 10 questions thing, you've had some pretty unbelievable people on the show. Um, I'm a huge George Kittle guy. I played tight end at the end of my career. I'm a huge Rogers guy. Those are the two ones that to me stick out from like a football perspective, but you've also had a bunch of different people. I'm not asking you to narrow down to one guess because I think mm. that's t- super unfair, but who has been one or two people maybe who you were shocked by how either like sharp or how, you know, charismatic they were. Cause sometimes I think people assume, Oh, George Kittle, like you don't, you don't want like, you might see it on the field, but like when you actually listen to him talk, He's yeah. just such a sharp dude too. It's not oh, yeah. just like all emotion. So how is like, were there people you weren't expecting to kind of be the way they were, or is it kind of everyone's kind of, you know, I expected that. It's a good question. And, you know, I deal with the football guys all the time. Some of the guys that took me by surprise or some of the guys and some of the women were the non-football guys. I was, this is always my test. Will, and you would understand that because of how we're doing this now. Yeah. When, all right, so let's say you agree you're, you're going to do this at three o'clock and, you know, you, you sit down and you prepared your stuff. When you're sitting there looking at the laptop and the Zoom is about to open and you're like, you're kind of nervous, like, oh, my God, is this person yeah. really going to be here? And, and then sure enough, like, here they are connected to audio and the first camera set of them comes up. There's that big moment of, oh, my God, this person is here. And are they cool? <laughs> are they going to be into this? So I remember um, two that I was very nervous for. One was uh, Viggo Mortensen, who, if you don't know that name, he's the lead in Lord of the Rings. He's in a million movies, been nominated for three Oscars. Older guy, very sharp, speaks like 12 languages. I had no idea, like, because it's not only you got to come on my show, you got to play this game show that I do, and there's sound effects and all this shit. So I didn't know if he's going to be, I mean, this is a very sophisticated actor. He might have been like, what is this bullshit that I'm doing? I, he wasn't. He comes up in this, and Bruce as Buffer that just opens, screaming at him. Yeah, like, well, why are you put me on the show? I plug my movie and I'm out of here. The video comes up, and he's like rolling a cigarette, like an old-fashioned, like it's 1950, like he's licking it. And I just go, oh, hey, Vigo, how you doing? I go, dude, are you rolling a cigarette? And he goes, yeah, why do you ask? I'm like, oh, that's so cool. He's like, well, I'm glad you say that. You know, nobody does this anymore. So I'm like, immediately we were connecting. He liked yeah. the cigarette thing. So I was nervous about him. And then the other one, just because he's a huge celebrity and is like such a presence and everyone has an opinion about him was McConaughey. Yeah. I, I was nervous about McConaughey because I really wanted it to go well. And more importantly, sometimes you have people on and you're fans of them and you're like, please be cool. I, I don't want to have this ruined for me. I don't want to do this and close the laptop and, and be like, well, that guy sucked. I yeah. was really nervous that McConaughey would somehow, some way, like be a dick or something. And oh my God, he was not. He was so incredible. <laughs> so I was very nervous because I mean, whatever, major movie star showing up on a, a show that's on a laptop for an hour. It, I, I didn't think he'd be, he was way into it. He And I would say McConaughey, McConaughey played the hits. Like he will tell any story you want about Wolf of Wall Street, about a time to kill. He'll talk about playing bongos naked and smoking weed. Like he, he didn't hold anything back. He wasn't like, oh my God, another goddamn question about the Wolf of Wall Street scene with Leo. All right. So I beat my chest. No, like he is He wants awesome. to talk about it. He's like an open book. Open book. No, and he has books. So I love it. No, it's, it's awesome to kind of see some of that. I've, I've like everyone experiences that it does in podcasting and TV and stuff. You know, there's certain guests and it's, 
the podcast thing is so much different, I think for, and you can attest to this better than me, but TV, you have such a set time. And it's like, I have four minutes to get these questions in. Like, can I even get it? There's four other guests at the table on top of that. Now it's like, I have an hour alone talking to this person. And it's definitely interesting. Who's one person, maybe or two. I know you've had some of them, like the Josh Allen thing was really cool. And it's like, it's just fans. I want to hear about Josh Allen being cool, but it was just cool that you were like, I need to get Josh Allen on the pod. And legitimately a day later, people just flooded his Twitter. And he was like, all right, cool. I'll come on. Like, who are one or two people for you that you're like, would love to have on just from a personality standpoint? I know I saw Brady was one of the people, but I guess we don't have to talk about that guy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think Brady will be doing my show. I don't think he's a fan of mine. Um, But uh, yeah, the Josh Allen thing, I tweeted right after Good Morning Football. I said, I sure would love to have Josh Allen on 10 questions. I wonder if Bill's fans would help me recruit him. 56 minutes later, I got an email from the Bills head of PR saying Josh is in. 56, because these Bills fans went ballistic and just added them and added them. I will give them credit. They are one of the better fan bases in football. Anybody who thinks that that Bills Mafia thing is trumped up and over-exaggerated, and if you're rolling your eyes being like, we get it with the tables and the chicken wings, it's fucking real. Like, those people are are that passionate and that strong. It's for real. I lived it. So uh, people who I'd like to have... I actually would really like to have Baker. I like Baker. I think he has such an edge on him. I think he's very dry, very sharp. I really like the Browns last year and this year. He's my kind of humor. He's kind of like a mini Rogers where like, he's very smart, I think. And like, is just kind of clever and like gets pissed off a little bit. I like that kind of guy. So I'd like to have Baker. Uh, I want to have Keanu Reeves is like my dream get because he just doesn't do stuff. And he's just such a fucking legend. Yeah. Um, and then Schwarzenegger, I always said, just because like half the battle in podcasts, if you just have a recognizable voice, it's already great content. So yeah. the second Arnold started talking, people would love it. That's my big three. Yeah, I, I like that big three. I think Baker's an interesting one, actually, just because I think he's got so much left in the tank type of thing that people, you, like whatever you're getting, that that media presser is not even touching the yes. underneath underlying stuff. Now, there's like certain guys like that, like, I, will, I want to have Sanchez on for me because there's just so much there. And like, yeah, he's such a personality when you hear him talk and like, there's so many stories. I mean, like he got, he brought Darnold. I mean, they're, they're boys and whatever, but if you watch their podcast, the fact that he got Sam out of his comfort zone and was like getting him to talk about like real stuff and like being a, being a dude in like New York city. Like, yeah, it's, that's a talent that it takes to, it takes to get out of people. Honestly, I, I think people don't realize sometimes you got to really, you got to connect to somebody else. The pod just not going to, you know, the interview is not going to go the same. I know, man. It's hard. But, uh, no, make sure if you got, like I said, you know, obviously everyone that knows you, you know, turn in Good Morning Football on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. But obviously the 10 Questions podcast as well. And then we talked a little bit about it. But I, I genuinely am not just saying this because I like you a lot. But it's, it's a fun podcast to listen to. It's not just football. It's not just, you know, if you're a celebrity, it's not just movies. It's just like you're, it's like 10 like fun questions. And it's like, it makes the guests think a little bit. And like, you caught McAfee off guard in the first question. And he was like, oh, wait, this is serious. Like, I have to like strap it in. And like, he like, you could literally see in his eyes, like, all right, no, I'm focused. Like, I'm ready to go now. Like, you just yeah, got yeah, me. Yeah. And now I'm already have to literally hit all of these to win. Like, it's a little game show-ish, which is kind of cool too. Thanks, man. I, the, the secret of it is, and I probably shouldn't say this, but this is the secret, that the contestants get so preoccupied with answering the trivia question that after they do, they're so relieved that when you get into the real questions about them, they're just an open book because they're just so glad it's not a trivia. So they just start talking because it's after the trivia thing. So that's my secret weapon. All right. That's no, that's awesome. And like I said, you know, make sure you guys, uh, you know, follow that. And uh, we obviously appreciate having you on and, uh, you know, we'll have to, we'll, we'll do it again. 
this is fun. This is professional. This is really well done. My biggest takeaway is that I was very impressed by your humble brag that you're a size 14 shoe. That's incredible. Uh, good for you. That's huge. I mean, I, I met you. You're not under the giant. You're not, you're not a small guy, but size 14 shoe is huge. And uh, I know that like the work and enthusiasm you put into this is completely authentic. This is why this medium exists. It's not for professional media people to plug their podcast. It's for passionate, authentic fans who want to make something of themselves. And this is exactly what this is. Dude, you're doing an awesome job. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And uh, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep it rolling. I'll see you at Lala Taqueria. There we go.